Amy Crump is going to cover the passage for us today. Found in Isaiah chapter 61. It's actually the first text that we ever read when we gathered in this building, Creekside, uh, almost five years ago this October. So, Amy. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. The best decisions the church ever makes are those decisions that are made for others. Let me say that again. The best decisions the church ever makes are those decisions that are made for others. Particularly there are others you don't even know yet. Uh, others, you know, aren't part of your experience yet. Others who might have a longing or a need or an opportunity. I look back at our short history of the church. We could have remained meeting in the Kurtz home, Steve and Chrissy Kurtz. That was really a wonderful experience. But we made the decision to move to United Church. We had, you know, maybe 30-some people coming on Sunday nights, enjoy some good fellowship. Uh, then we met in United. 
We've been there for several months on Sunday nights. I remember it was a tough decision for us to decide to move to Sunday morning. There were people concerned, if we do that, we will lose our specialness. We're having such a great experience being together, getting to know one another, and sharing a meal together. If we move to Sunday morning, we'll, we'll lose that. Maybe we can't have, you know, the kind of experience we've had. Uh, but we felt called to do that. We moved uh, to Sunday morning here at Creekside. Well, here today, we're at another one of those thresholds. A threshold of a decision, putting it into action that's made for others. It's not a decision that we were looking to make. Although we always imagined that we would be a church that would plant other congregations, that we would have opportunity in this area, you know, Durham, Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, other areas, and that God would raise up gifted people and families in those areas to start uh, a special work. This is the decision that came looking for us, really. When we were approached by the H Baptist Association and by some members of Lakewood Baptist Church, a historic congregation that had been serving that community for 102 years, and had decided last Easter that that would be their last Sunday as a congregation, but they still had a hope and a longing that something good would happen there. There are already still good things happening there. Hispanic congregation meeting there, Burmese congregation. But they're hoping that the next generation might take up the baton. Uh, years ago, I read in some kind of church book on the present and the future that churches needed to concentrate far less on planning and focus more on preparedness. That typically, planning is our way of trying to control our future and our circumstances. And the Holy Spirit didn't always abide by that kind of method. We studied and read the book of Acts. The early church pretty much made no decisions except to respond to what God was doing. So when this opportunity was presented to us, our leadership team went to Lakewood. And we met there. We began to pray. We began to ask questions like, should we relocate the church, the whole congregation there? And as we continued to pray and explore the opportunity, there came the decision of, no, we, it's easy to imagine something good happening here. And so we could imagine uh, with Chris's leadership and Rachel's involvement of, of planting a new work. Well, the passage that's read today, it's a passage that is familiar to us because Jesus claimed it as a description of his life and ministry. It's a passage from the prophet Isaiah that talked about the servant of the Lord and what he would do. He would be anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's actually literally what the word Messiah means, the one anointed by God's Spirit. The Greek form of that word is Christ. And Jesus read this passage at his home synagogue in Nazareth after his ministry had begun. And when he finished reading it, he said, today in your hearing, this has been fulfilled. And there was an uproar among the congregation there. How could he say it's being fulfilled? It's being fulfilled in him and his ministry. 
It was mostly evident, though, or became obvious that it was being fulfilled in respect to what happened in the lives of others. This passage is so much about others. It's about an announcement of good news. And it's not about others who are strong and have life just going great. It is for others who life is pretty much a torture. It's, it's not good at all. It's not an announcement to the, the strong that how do they get, can they get stronger? How can they have more? It's an announcement to those that life is not a good thing. To the poor, to captives, to prisoners, to the broken-hearted. And in the passage, there's this wonderful exchange that happens. It uses so many images. It uses the image of a planting. We claim that image when we started here. Uh, an oak. An oak of what? An oak of righteousness. That God's goodness would come out of that servant, a plant, and he later described it as a garden. But one of my favorite images in the passage is of a wedding banquet, of a great celebration. And he captures just in a few lines this exchange that happens. That people who are covered with ashes in mourning are given a crown of beauty. Uh, people that are grieving are given the oil of joy. That people that have a spirit of despair are given a garment of praise. Now before we think, hooray us, we're sinning something. Or folks in the Lakewood community. No, this is first the description of us. First the description of us if we're in the banquet. What do we bring other than our own need, our own brokenness? Who feels qualified to speak for God, to share God's love and grace? All those who had to taste it first, as poor, as captive, as prisoners, as brokenhearted as those who mourn. And then there comes this celebration. And I don't know about you, whenever I'm at a great celebration, I can't help but think of those. It's, it's funny. I see Don Taylor here. I was telling somebody last night, a couple of times when we've gone to, uh, when we've gone to Nashville, my son wanted to take me to one of these, a uh, hockey talk. You're in Nashville on Broadway. Robert's Western Wear. That's not a clothing store. There are clothing stores you get boots and hats. But my son said, listen, Dad, the guitarist in the house band is going to be like the best guitarist you've ever heard in person. And so we went to Roberts, Western Road. I've been there a few times. Every time I go, the music is so good. And without any influence of any other substance, just on joy alone, I usually pull up my phone, I call Don Taylor and say, Don, listen to this. 
I just have to share it. I have to share the celebration. As we prepare to send Oak Church to be a planting of the Lord, of of righteousness, we'll be renewing our own vision as well as the church, what I call GC 2.0. Come next week, you'll hear about it. But as we do so, we want to be those people that have learned to accept the exchange. Learn what it's like for God's delight in giving us a crown of beauty. What it's like in God delighting to give us the oil of joy. A garment of praise. I love a line a little bit later. Don't miss this line. Since he does all this, oak of righteousness, the planting. He does all this for the display of his splendor. Isn't that amazing? <coughs> that however messed up your life might be, or my life might be, what God wants to do with it, and the exchange of his life and purpose is going to be a, a display of God's splendor. We're not sending a group over to Durham just to do something neat and available property. No, the only thing that can make churches make decisions for others is when they're captured by God's vision for themselves and for people. The only thing that can make you take a risk, can make you give up maybe some of your own resources, is when you get a glimpse of God's hope and vision in the life of others, starting, starting with us. When you get that vision, church will never, ever be something you merely attend. Hopefully to get a little spiritual encouragement. When you get that vision, your view of church is transformed into something that you build and you participate in the building of God. A lot of my view of church has been shaped by the comments of others, including the man who told me his wife dragged me to church. And he said, I was stunned. I looked around and, good grief, these people look like they want to be here. He was floored. Or the comment when a woman was driving to church, the church and she was pulled over by the police because she was speeding. On a Sunday morning, he said, where are you going in such a hurry? She said, I'm going to such and such church. She said, oh, I've heard that. That's a church worth speaking to, I've heard. And he gave her a warning. Just a warning. Or when somebody came to me once, and they'd been going to church with her boyfriend just to keep peace with the family. They went with his family. And they went to Easter. And she just, at Easter, she thought, there should be more life here today. There should be more celebration. There should be... She didn't use the words, a crown of beauty, an oil of joy, a garment of praise. And she showed up with us the next week. And then she was telling her boyfriend, you, you should come. Well, well how, how come we're not doing what we do every Sunday morning? I need to get something out of church. And he said, church is not something you get. You're supposed to get something out of. You're just supposed to go. You're just supposed to go. I had the privilege of baptizing that guy one day because he discovered that no, a church is something that God is building with celebration 
when people get to experience beauty instead of just their brokenness. People get to, they don't, we don't ignore our sadness or our mourning. No, 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 that's the material. That's the material that God delights to use for working our lives. I'm so excited about this experience we're about to embark upon. I'm excited for Chris and Rachel. I'm excited for the challenge is going to be to everybody, whether you go to, to Lakewood, this big Oak Church, or whether you, you know, help us do our next stuff. I'm mostly excited. Because I know in your life, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in my life, there are people that think that sadness and just the numbness to avoid it and everything else but God's celebration is all they can expect. I'm excited what's going to happen in the life of others. Chris is going to come, but before Chris does, we have some of the, the members from Lakewood Baptist Church with us this morning. Would you, would you three stand up? They, they've been faithful. Faithfully Teresa Dotson, who works for the Eighth Baptist Association, was part of that too. She's the one that helped shape, shape our vision. And then listening uh, to these folks about their commitment to Lakewood, the community that's there, it, it challenges not just to make that a worship venue uh, for a church our size. It challenged us to plant some people that would love and serve that community. And I'm thrilled that Chris and Rachel are going to be leading that new planting of the world.
What will a crown of beauty look like in a in place of ashes? What will it look like in Lion Park or Morehead Avenue? Which rooms might need rebuilding on James Street or what strangers might shepherd our flocks? Are they from single parent homes, apartments, a couple blocks away? Do they hang out on the bus stop at Lakewood Shopping Center or are they refugees from places we've never seen or been? Are they artists uh, over the scrap exchange and they're just passing through as Duke undergrads? Do they even speak English? What will the harvest from our garden taste like? And who's going to be sitting across from us at that table? What sort of righteousness and praise is about to sprout up? We're going to need really keen eyes to identify answers to these questions. We're going to need vivid imaginations to see where and to who God is calling us to share and recognize Jesus' good news of welcome and forgiveness and sacrificial love and renewal. As 2 Corinthians 5 puts it, if anyone's in Christ, New creation. Exclamation point. But all that is, is easy to talk about. It's easy to see if you heard it from Mark. And if you've been around the gathering church, this is kind of redundant for you, right? If you've been around long enough, even if you just went around once, one Sunday, one event, you probably understood the heart of this church. Our pastor's heart. You've probably heard Mark say something about loving others incredibly well as Jesus does. Heck, it's the pastor on some of our stuff, and I might have to change that now. <laughs> Perhaps you've been the beneficiary of this love. Maybe Mark's passion is calling the, the reason the gathering church started. Maybe it's rubbed off on him. That tends to happen. There's so many testimonies of God's faithfulness through Mark in this congregation. Some have come and gone. We've, we've launched some. Uh, that's wild over these five years. The new homes, new jobs, schools, lives, elsewhere. Some of those testimonies are still sitting in these folding chairs. And these are testimonies of Mark in particular. His Intention is attention, is relentless willingness. Uh, I think I think Libby first said it, but I need to give credit where credit is to keep an open peg on his Lego for someone to connect to, to make room for others to contribute to their healing, their growth, their renewal. And I stand here as a woman. I remember a May afternoon in 2009 when, as a stranger, first year of Kennedy student, almost two years into marriage, no resume, a lot of questions and a lot of doubts about how and where a kind of a mutt like me could land 
today. I have coffee with Mark at three cups. Rest in peace. Whichever one. And Mark faked his way through the whole coffee. Because he doesn't like coffee. He drank ice tea. We talked about ministry and Eugene Peterson, and I faked my way through that. Like I knew something on the level as he does. A week or so later, Rachel and I walked into our first service of the Gathering Church when we were meeting in the United Church on Sunday afternoons. We were so wary for being so young. And we were so refreshed by the love and fellowship we received. That Sunday, it's, it's wild. I, went, I made the mistake, kind of, of going back to some old Gmails, like five plus year old Gmails. That first Sunday we met the Robbies, we met people like the Crumps, and the McDowell's, and the Longs, with baby Harris in their arms. We met now the Crawfords, uh, was Ferguson and Crawford. We met the Kurtzes and Kim Hanauer. We, we met Bill and Shauna Funkhauser, and we met so many more of you guys. We were welcomed to a feast. Uh, there was food, too, but we were welcome to a feast. You see, we come hungry for, for friendships, for a place to belong and to serve. Gosh, we were, we were starving for an opportunity to, to know and be known, to worship, to pray, to sing, to struggle, to thrive, and to do it along others who want to do the same thing. We left that first service with a small slip of paper from the job right, Some of you chuckle, some of you have no idea. It's basically a goblet, a cup, with small slips of paper with your responsibility for the next week. Happily added the job line. And that small slip of paper said that we were going to be greeters the next week. But what that slip of paper didn't say said in the months and years to follow, I'd become your student intern, your part-time, and then full-time associate pastor. Now your church planner that you're sending to further your ministry. A little slip of paper didn't say that you ordained it, that you dedicate both of Rachel and my children. It didn't say that we share food at my table, at many of your tables. It didn't say that you laugh with me and at me. It didn't say that you cry on me and stand still while I did it, or look at me while I do it. A slip of paper didn't account for all the hours of prayer that I'd be there sitting in Or all the chances and second chances and grace that I'd be afforded. The paper didn't assure me that y'all would support me and bear with me when I was really unsure of myself or also sometimes way too sure of myself. But in the same way that little slip of paper, or at least the heart behind it, was a seed for the 
Breslin's life at the Gathering Church, it's going to be the seed for our church. This new work that God's doing in and through That impulse to include and to nourish people in a way that gives them room, gives them opportunity, gives them permission to heal and thrive, even and especially when they didn't earn it or couldn't imagine it for themselves. It's the heart of the gathering church. That's the, the heart of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So thank you guys. Thank you, gathering church. For believing in this gospel enough to sacrifice and take risks. To take risks on Rachel and I our ministry on Hope Church. Thank you, Mark, for making an example out of me. An example. Not an exception to the rule, but one face in a lot of many has benefited from being invested in and loved incredibly well. I can't wait to see how God is going to use something uh, as small and as silly as a slip of paper <laughs> or some other instrument of inclusion and generosity in this next season for, for Oak Church, but also for the Gathering Church. Thank you. You guys pray with me. Gracious Father, I, I thank you for all the, the love in this room. Love that's been revealed over a long time. Love that's been shown in faithfulness and friendships, the obedience to your calling, the availability of your, your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the ways that you renew us each day. We thank you for your mercy and your grace shown to us best by Jesus on the cross. Shown, we thank you for the hope shown to us by his resurrection from the dead. We thank you for the new things that you continue to bring about. God, I'm so thrilled and excited to be a part of this next season, to see the surprising ways that you're going to work, and the surprising people that are going to be included in that work, participating with you. New leaders, new workers, folks called to the harvest that you're planting even right now. We thank you for all these little seeds, mustard seeds, Acorns that are going to grow up into maturity. We thank you for this community. We ask that you bless it. We thank you for Oak Church community. We ask that you bless it. We trust you in advance. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Chris and Jules stay up here. I remember that day at the coffee shop. Uh, 
I'd got an email from this guy that I didn't know, and so we, his initiative, we, we met. Also remember when I left, he handed me an envelope, and it had money in it. Uh, he hadn't even visited anything that we had done, but he wanted to go ahead and start investing in this in this new work. It wasn't a bride, by the way. It was, it was <laughs> beginning of his, uh, you know, uh, commitment. And none of I was going to say none of you know, but actually most of you probably do know if you've been around here for a while. If you know me, you know Chris. You know how essential Chris has been to the DNA of the Gathering Church. Uh, because to tell you the truth, for absolutely honest, I, I wasn't in the shape to do any ministry. I was the ashes, mourning, spirit of despair, uh, church planter. And it was Chris who gave it backbone. It was Chris who was the backstop, the safety net, the front line, the fullback, sometimes the quarterback. You hate sports. The first buy-in. Oh yeah. Whatever. And so it's 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 gonna take you know, it's, it takes a village to raise a child. It's gonna take a whole congregation left to replace Chris and, and Rachel as they go. But we we've got something for Chris that we wanted to take with him and would you go ahead and try to open that? Uh, and as he's doing so, would the leadership team come uh, stand up here, you know, with us? I'm glad to see Steve Gade. He just got back from a, a miracle visa trip to India, and then he was deathly ill all last week. Don't stand too close to them. <laughs> Let it be on the record. It was Steve who first said at the meeting at Lakewood Baptist, he said, I think we should consider starting a match together in church right here. He was the first one to speak to say, something good could keep happening here. So, uh,
the people who've been on the core team, some have been on the core team who, you know, will be gone, some have been on the core team who've been helping set it up, but if you've been on the core team of Oak Church, uh, would you please talk to when you come forward? And we know others in the weeks and months ahead uh, will probably be uh, joining them again in this new work. We're, we're thrilled when one day we see this group and we don't know the folks that are there, the new folks that have been added uh, to, the, to the congregation. Um, I'm going to ask, also, you men from Lakewood, would you please just come forward and stand over here and be part of our commission? Would anyone want to say anything? Serve you and 
present those opportunities. And God, you put this in front of us. We didn't create this. And we're so blessed for that. And dear Lord, please bless our church as they go to serve. Dear Lord, please continue to let there be a strong bond between the gathering and right? And help us build on each other, support one another in difficult times, celebrate together, and dear Lord, bring others to you. Dear God, we would Christian nature. And the excitement, dear God, support them in the ambiguity. Dear God, just give them strength and vision and energy to serve. Jesus' name. Amen.